What was that? A, a Belgian, Belgian salute. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 30, in which today we're going to be looking at the book adaptation to Oganga, the Giver and Taker of Life, uh, the Young Indy episode from the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones television series. And we are here looking at Trek of Doom, which is actually a book adaptation to this episode that was made in 1992. Uh, we did this for Chapter 8, Trenches of Hell, uh, as we looked at the book adaptation Prisoner of War. And that was actually our first time reading uh, one of these book adaptations. And so the way it works is actually uh, the movie comes out first, or in this case, the episode of the TV show. And then afterwards, uh, an adaptation of the book was written. And so we decided to give it a try. Uh, we were able to get our hands on a copy. And I think we actually found that it was pretty interesting. Uh, it wasn't, you know, the best book ever or anything, but um, it actually was really cool to see how they adapted the screenplay uh, because we noticed a lot of similarities, but also a lot of really cool differences in the book. So we decided to give this another shot by looking at Trek of Doom, which is a book adaptation to Oganga, the Giver and Taker of Life, uh, but specifically the first half here, which is German East Africa, 1916. So without further ado, let's jump into this, shall we? So, why don't we jump right into Chapter 1, Trick of Doom. The book adaptation is obviously an adaptation, so there are a lot of things very, very similar, but there are also a few things that are different. And we start off on the German side with a major protecting some German possessions. Yes, a uh, really cool way to start off this book here, as you really kind of don't know what's going on here. We start off with, like, um, a little bit of kind of like the thoughts of what's going on uh, on the German side uh, at the beginning of the attack, and we learn... Uh, that they actually notice the attack coming from the Belgians and decide to kind of wait uh, for the surprise attack, which of course we learn later uh, what happens there. So really kind of cool way to start out the kind of book here. Another thing that's really cool, uh, right before chapter one here, you'll notice they actually have a map um, of kind of the area, which is really cool. You can actually also see on the map um, Lake Victoria from Phantom Train of Doom, just to give kind of a different perspective of where it is. Really cool map to show like what the actual trek was and how this looked during this time period. So I really like the map that also was kind of in the front, really kind of added that whole kind of um, dynamic that really made the episode, I think, or the uh, book a lot better, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in all these book adaptations, in the middle of the book, they have uh, lots of pictures from certain scenes in the episode, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, I like that as well. They did this in this book as well. Um, just some really great, you know, black and white shots of what actually goes on in the episode to kind of go along with what's being said in the book. Um, I really like that as well. And going back to what you were saying about this opening, um, I also like how we have um, uh, uh, this whole kind of dialogue scene between Indy and Remy, which is also not shown in the episode itself. Remy has this quote, which is not even in the first scene here. Uh, nothing could be as bad as Verdun, as Indy and Remy actually kind of talk about that. They've actually volunteered to be in Africa, 
which is really cool because that wasn't really necessarily mentioned. We thought originally, you know, maybe they were transferred to Africa. Here it mentions that they actually volunteered to move uh, to Africa here in this situation, which I thought was cool. Um, and Indy also kind of explains how uh, he finds it odd that he was promoted uh, to be a lieutenant because uh, back when he was in Europe, he was only a corporal. And so this whole kind of idea of just the book kind of giving us a bit more of an insight into Indy's thoughts, I guess you could say, uh, which of course, you know, uh, isn't like the episode at all. It's more kind of made up by the author, um, but really kind of cool perspective that's different than the episode. Yeah, definitely. Now, something I find very, very interesting is that um, they, you know, when they're starting off with the German side, right, the German, you know, kind of is saying, oh, I'm glad that the lieutenant was a teen. He's like, at least, you know, the Belgians are as bad off as I am, right? Which I find very, very interesting. You know, we kind of get an inside look into, you know, what, what life is like for in the war on the German side. Yeah, absolutely. And I also like how the two, they mention that kind of idea of Indy being super young, because obviously that's something that has been sort of uh, alluded to, you know, he's so young. I mean, he's only a teenager here. Another thing I found really cool about this is um, they actually mentioned that they were in Flanders. And for those of you who have seen the full Young Indy show already, uh, you may know that they actually had some unaired episodes or episodes that never actually uh, were made uh, since the show was canceled in 1993. And one of them was actually going to be called Flanders 1916, uh, which I thought was really cool that they did. Because again, of course, this book is going off the original uh, 1992 show of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles uh, versus the re-edit. So originally they had plans to actually do that episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe they actually did record that episode and it just never aired. And that's why, you know, maybe it's included in this book. Yeah, definitely possible, I think, too. And there was some I, I like also and I'll kind of bring this up a little bit later, too, when we get to it. The really cool thing I like about this book is there's a lot of differences. And even in the first chapters here, we have a lot of differences towards the end of the book. It's very, very similar to the actual episode. But I've also thought about, too, since this book I was really kind of based on the screenplay and the actual script, I wonder if there, if, if some of these ideas came from deleted scenes or anything. Um, because I know that some of this stuff obviously was adapted and created by the author just to give the episode, I guess, more of a epic feel or kind of dive into kind of Indy's thoughts and, you know, his kind of perspective on all this. But I also find it interesting that maybe some of this was just deleted scenes or footage that never actually made it in. And of course, it was still in the original screenplay. So that's why it was adapted and put in this book. Really fascinating to read this book that was made only just like a year later, months after uh, the original episodes for the show. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. Now, also something I wanted to mention that I uh, noticed is that, you know, we don't see it in the modern day episodes, but back when, you know, they recorded them, as we've mentioned before, there were the George Hall uh, kind of bookends. That's not included in the book, which, you know, I don't know, maybe it was, you know, the theory of the author that those are not really necessary, and obviously they took that advice and we no longer have them. Yeah, definitely. I think it was also really cool you bring that up. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, George Hall bookends were not included here. They just focus on Indy's story. Um, and also, clearly, it was just focused on this one episode. So um, I think they really wanted to dive in, I guess, to just kind of what young Indy was doing here, not George Hall. But yeah, they definitely could have included the George Hall bookends, and they didn't, which I thought was also really cool. But I, I really like that this episode, um, or this book, rather, is really kind of a reflection of the episode back then, which I thought was really cool. And going into kind of this next uh, section here, 
um, we have Indy and Major Boucher uh, beginning the attack. And this is when Indy actually notices that the machine gun gets jammed and gets shot. Um, so this is relatively the same to what actually happens in the episode, uh, but it was just more of the opening when we see kind of what's going on behind the German lines that was a little bit different than the actual episode. Right. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Indy getting shot. So as we, ha if you listen to our last episode, uh, we had a theory of why Indy was saved. So it, it, we'll find out. It hit his locket. And we had a theory of who that was, and that will be, con and that is confirmed in this, in this second chapter here. Yes, it actually is confirmed that uh, it was indeed Princess Sophie from uh, Chapter 3, The Perils of Cupid, which is really cool. Uh, we kind of suspected, uh, if you remember that scene, about 15 minutes in or so, I think, to the episode, uh, Indy actually looks at the locket and opens it up to see the picture. Um, and here they confirm that it was uh, Sophie from The Perils of Cupid, which I thought was really awesome that they actually did that. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. And, you know, well, I'll mention this later in the episode, but uh, Sophie gets referenced multiple times throughout this um, book, actually. I found that to be really cool as well, too. Like, I didn't think that that was going to be such a, you know, prominent sort of uh, thing that gets brought up here. But um, really cool that that was kind of uh, concluded here that, yes, that was uh, Princess Sophie's locket. Um, and as we move on here, there's this interesting thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, the author included this kind of idea of Indy wonders why... This is the feeling of victory, which I thought was kind of an interesting quote to bring up because what I like about these books is it really gives a little bit more characterization into indie because it feels like more of a diary, I guess you could say, more of a narration of what is going on with indie. And so there's these little kind of subtle things that um, the author kind of uses to uh, kind of build indie's character. What would he be thinking in this situation? And so really cool stuff there. I thought that was cool. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, you know, he obviously gets a promotion, right? And he's like, well, why it, Why do I feel victory? You know, I did, uh, you know, I disobeyed the major's orders, which is what he does. So I guess that's probably why he feels victory. Right, yeah. And that whole scene, too, uh, the dialogue was basically identical. Um, you really had almost the exact same sort of thing that happens in the episode. They have the um, one thing I did learn, though, that I didn't actually realize when watching the episode for the first time, uh, that machine gun that actually is, that um, the colonel actually uh, shows them right after Indy gets his promotion as a captain, that was the same one uh, used in the actual battle from the opening of the episode. I did not know that, which I thought was cool. Nor did I. That's very, very interesting. And, you know, actually, you talking about the dialogue, the dialogue, especially, you know, the stuff between the Major and Indy and Indy and Bartleby is almost, if not identical throughout this entire book. There may be a few extra, I mean, there's definitely a few extra lines here and there, but, uh, you know, when they're talking about stuff, it's almost the exact same. Right, which I found kind of interesting because in Prisoner of War, which was the adaptation for Treasures of Hell, there were a lot of dialogue changes. Here, it was more of just added scenes, I think. And it's really kind of moving into chapter three here, in which we actually sort of see some of these major differences. Uh, moving into kind of when they actually go on their desert trek, uh, we have a bunch of new scenes that are completely added here, uh, most of which are with Major Boucher, uh, as Indy kind of learns these, you know, is kind of torn between duty and, you know, this idea of humanity, uh, which we talked about in our episode review. Uh, and this is kind of expanded upon here is I think they were kind of trying to really uh, build on Major Boucher's kind of like 
character and his sort of personality because um, I think they were trying to kind of have a bigger build up to sort of like his harsh kind of character at the end, which definitely I think was done really well here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Major Boucher is, you know, I mean, he's he's the same character as he is in our, as we mentioned in our episode review, you know, he's a very harsh character. He's very, very strict and stern and, you know, very disciplined. Well, Indy is, you know, more laid back and they really, really emphasize that here, especially with some of the extra dialogue between the Major and Indy. Yeah, and the first example of that was kind of right off the bat here when um, they talk about when they're actually going on the trek, originally Indy uh, writes letters to Ned, and none of that is even explained here at all. It's completely glossed over. Uh, none of that is really even included at all. But instead, we have these kind of conversations between Indy and Major Boucher. And it first kind of starts out with uh, Major Boucher making a claim that, you know, we're not going to last with all the resources we were given. And so Indy's like, well, how are we going to get, you know, how are we going to get extra resources? And he's like, we're going to have to go to some villages and, you know, just claim stuff as our own. And, you know, Indy's kind of torn, like, well, that's not right. We shouldn't do that. And Boucher continues on to really say some horrible things about, um, you know, the bearers and people that um, are with the Belgian army who, of course, um, were already living in Africa. Just really kind of terrible things that I think, again, going on his sort of harsh personality of just kind of going on with the mission and that sort of thing. Um, and one of the bearers actually gets sick and is left behind. And uh, they actually mention how uh, Major Boucher claims that all the officers are going to get one pill a day and everyone else will get, you know, one pill like every few days. So kind of going on, you know, sort of this whole sort of idea of obviously kind of like, um, you know, Major Boucher really kind of only caring about, you know, the officers in the Belgian army and not anyone else really. Right, which is, you know, really uh, builds up to his, you know, very strict and cruel personality, which, you know just really is emphasized in this book and just, you know, in this chapter even because, you know, we see that he's, you know, very, very strict and stern in the episode as we mentioned in our review, but here he he's like another level of like stern, like he's almost stern and crazy at the same time, kind of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's definitely, um, they added really a lot to his character. Like Major Boucher, I think he definitely seems like much more of a prominent character in this book um, and that sort of whole idea there. And that really goes into the next chapter as well, which, um, you know, we see again, more of these examples of Indy and Major Boucher and their kind of like, uh, and their differences and how that's going to affect them um, in, you know, in the war and, and that sort of whole idea there. And Major Boucher says this thing that um, he doesn't believe uh, that these people like, uh, you know, Sergeant Bartlemy, that they don't deserve independence. Um, and this whole idea of kind of, you know, uh, the mission is more important than the men. And, you know, he's just doing what he wants for the Belgian army and not really caring about anyone else. So lots of dialogue that is added here, lots of brand new scenes uh, that really kind of give an entirely different sort of like feel of the entire track. Right. And, you know, they come across a camp with, you know, some people in it, which we don't see in the episode. It's very, very interesting. It's almost a brand new scene. They come, you know, Major Boucher is saying how he's going to take stuff from, you know, towns. This kind of you know, uh, alludes to that because, you know, we come across a camp with, with, you know, a, a, a kind of mini town, I guess you could say. Right. And so all sorts of new scenes here that, again, 
really just kind of expand upon, you know, what was in Germany, East Africa. And I wanted to kind of bring this up, like I was saying earlier, I'm really curious if these were like deleted scenes or if the author added the, these himself. I mean, really kind of like brand new elaborate stuff. Um, but also, I mean, you have to consider that this was really adapted from the screenplay. So what do you think? I mean, it's really kind of interesting to see all this brand new stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely possible that they maybe actually like, you know, they wrote Major Boucher as this harsh of a character and, you know, then they went to the, you know, to the company that was producing it and they're like, yeah, that's way too harsh to put on TV. Or it could have been that they, you know, maybe they had to dial it back because, you know, again, this is kind of supposed to be like a teaching tool almost and, you know, it maybe it was used as a teaching tool back in the day and, you know, it's it, or it could just be some deleted scenes that were filmed and just were never put in there it's it could be a multitude of things Yeah, I, I think that's another good point you bring up too. like definitely all this major Boucher stuff that's new is really kind of interesting and gives a whole new perspective on his character as well. And another thing that I thought was kind of interesting as well is um, that these could have been just brand new original scenes created by the author, which, again, really gives a whole new kind of idea to this sort of episode, which I thought was really interesting. And as we move on to chapter six, we have basically the exact same uh, scene and same dialogue in which they find the village and find the little boy. Yes, right. So, you know, they come across the village, but it's dead silent, right? You know, they don't, they're like, well, any, is anything, anybody in the village, right? Well, they go in the tents and they notice, you know, that the entire village had smallpox and then they find this boy tied to an old man. Right. So same sort of whole idea that we see in the episode, uh, kind of elaborated upon here. Um, but one thing I did want to mention, which kind of is, uh, you know, seen in this chapter and a lot in the next chapter, too, is we have a lot of uh, vivid descriptions of what's going on. Right. I mean, especially when you have, you know, no footage going along with this. They're obviously in a book. It's going to have to be more descriptions of, you know, the land and sort of these characters and, you know, the dialogue and Indy's thoughts and all that. So that is cool that not only do you have some new stuff, but definitely a lot of stuff they elaborate on it, too, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I think it's definitely a good thing that they elaborate on it. It also makes this, you know, you know what I'd love to see is that is a movie adaptation or sorry, a TV show adaptation of this book, which is a adaptation of another TV show. It kind of be interesting, you know, to see. Right. And, you know, you bring up a really good point here. Like, my guess is like George Lucas or anyone didn't really have that much kind of input on this. My guess is they didn't really focus on these books. I think it was just some author uh, who, you know, worked closely probably with, uh, you know, whoever, you know, wrote this episode and just turned it into kind of uh, a book. I mean, of course, I think, you know, they were advertised as being, you know, kind of uh, helping, you know, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles and that sort of thing. Um, but one thing that I think was really kind of interesting is like to consider that this is all something that's completely brand new and you really have no idea if, Okay, did George Lucas have any input on this, or was this just some really cool original story? So, really awesome to kind of see what would have happened there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think that George Lucas, you know, basically said, here you go, author, here's the script, do what you want with the book. Yeah, I think that's probably, yeah, what happened, which, again, gives kind of this whole freedom of, like, creating something kind of really brand new. And I also like, like we were saying, you know, how these books, I think, really do kind of a cool job of, like, almost like, preserving the original show in a sense as you kind of get a sense for what that was like when you originally would have watched it 
And uh, we now move into basically the first half of the book here, which we have the images uh, that we saw also in Prisoner of War, uh, which was from Trenches of Hell. And we have some really great images of a lot of things that happen in this entire scene. Uh, just some great shots of everything that we see in the show from, you know, uh, the beginning battle to when they're actually going across the trek. Now, one thing I did want to mention, actually, is the opening kind of like cover shot. Uh, I don't remember actually seeing that in the episode ever. Was that kind of like a shot, you know, made for the episode as like a kind of advertised or was that like a cutout scene? Like, I don't remember seeing that specific shot in the episode. You know what? I, yeah, I don't remember seeing it either. And I'm wondering if maybe it was possibly part of the George Hall bookends. Now, I don't know, considering this starts off in black and white, I don't know if there was a George Hall bookend to this. Do you know? Um, I think there definitely was, but you could be right. Like this was like the transition from him remembering stuff. Uh, into, okay, here is what's going to go on in the episode. But yeah, I do not remember seeing that shot of Indy with everyone behind him uh, in that sort of setting. Yeah, nor do I. And I think, you know, it also, maybe there was a trailer put out for, since this one was, you know, back to back. Maybe they put out, you know, like a mini trailer or mini advertisement, you know, saying, come this Saturday and watch the back to back young Indiana Jones, Oganga, the giver and taker of life or whatever, you know. And, you know, they put this was in that trailer possibly. Who knows? Yeah, really cool. I do like the opening cover, though, too. Um, and I like also the name Trek of Doom, uh, not to be confused with the Phantom Train of Doom, which actually came out way later in the show. So kind of cool there that there's that little similarity. Um, but now we move into Chapter 8, uh, which also is practically the same as the episode, although we do have this kind of added dialogue with Remy, as, of course, he's talking about food. Go figure. Yeah, and, you know, that's basically what they talk about around here because, you know, again, they're in the middle of the forest, in the middle of nowhere, and they need to really conserve their food, so... <laughs> right, I mean, totally kind of a Remy move there. And um, I also like, as well, uh, how they really did... Not only are they adding stuff, but they never actually took anything out. Um, so it is basically very similar to the episode and stuff like that. So there's a very interesting quote here that I really like um, that kind of goes with like definitely like Indy's character because uh, when they're talking about when they find the kid uh, in the tent, right? Uh, there's that whole scene where Indy goes to Major Boucher and tries to uh, tell him, you know, lies to him that, you know, the kid followed us. And there's this scene uh, in which there's this added quote that I think really is hilarious because it definitely goes with like something Harrison Ford would do in the movies. Uh, it says, I've seen him get out of tighter spots than this, which I thought was a great kind of, you know, the whole thing where like, you know, I'll make it up as I go and sort of like in these kind of relaxed uh, kind of characteristics that we see in the movies. A classic in the adventure. Right, exactly. Uh, and same sort of dialogue scene with uh, Major Boucher and with Bartleby here, really kind of the same idea. So I like that they also, again, are not really taking anything out of the episode at any point. Um, they're really just kind of expanding on it. And chapter 10 is the whole scene with uh, when they're all lined up and, you know, when um, Major Boucher claims that uh, it's treason sergeant, that whole scene there. Yeah. Now, something I find interesting is that, you know, they expanded upon this and really went into great detail. You know how, you know, he aims the gun at um, Bartleby, right? And then all one by one, all of them, all of the uh, soldiers start going forward, which, you know, really that detail and just how they explained it is a really great depth and great detail. You know, you can really picture what is happening in the scene. Definitely. I think they did a really great job of that. But I will say, actually, this was kind of one of those scenes where, like, especially since we've seen the episode first, I was like, this scene really isn't as good 
as if you were to watch the episode, you know, like talk about like book versus episode, like watching this, you've got the music, you've got kind of the tone of, um, you know, Major Boucher's voice, you've got, uh, you know, the worried looks on Indy's face, you know, you've got uh, kind of the idea of standing up to Major Boucher as they all step forward, like you really don't get that sort of atmospheric sense, I guess, uh, just from reading this, you know, like when I read this, because I really like that scene a lot, I think it's really cool and well done. And I really didn't get that same sort of feel here just from reading it. So that is one of the things that is kind of disappointing. But they did, I think, describe it pretty well, but it's just you couldn't see it, of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think that this is, it's much better in the actual episode than the book here, but I do think that they did explain it fairly well so that you, if you've watched the episode, you can definitely imagine it there. Right. And uh, transitioning into the next scene right after that, um, we don't have any letters from Ned that are described. Uh, they weren't described um, earlier in the episode and they also uh, are not described now either, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting, and because, you know, throughout the entire episode, we saw Indy writing to Ned multiple times, right, which is very interesting, and we never really, uh, you know, see that, and I'm like, well, where is Ned, which, you know, I get that they cut it out, because, you know, as the scene is happening, Indy is talking over it with his letters to Ned, so that kind of would be hard to put in, but still, I think that they could have at least mentioned that he was writing to Ned in the beginning. Yeah, I think that was like a super important part that they just kind of cut out of the book. So I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, but in the next chapter, we actually see one of the letters that he writes to Ned. And it's actually described really well here. Uh, and this is actually when they're on the boat. Uh, this is the only, ironically enough, in the actual episode, this is the only scene that doesn't actually have uh, Indy's letter uh, kind of heard over throughout the shot. Indy only mentions it. Whereas here, uh, we actually have a copy of kind of what the letter says. So here it is. This is uh, Indy's letter to Ned. It says, I can't help dwelling on the terrible cost of this journey so far and the terrible task we must face upon our arrival. Again in this war, I must ask myself, is it all worth it? Is war ever worth it? It seems such a criminal waste. I can only pray that the future proves me wrong. I hope that the French at Port Gentil can provide Major Boucher with men for the return trip which may prove even more difficult than the trip there. In any event, God help us all. So really cool kind of uh, vivid letter that, which I wonder if also that was from the script or if that was made up. Really cool to think about that. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you said, this is the only scene in the actual episode that doesn't, you know, have Indy talking over. So maybe, you know, it was, it was meant to be like this and they, this chapter was a little bit of a continuation to the episode. Right, exactly. And uh, so there's this, of course, the same scene basically happens next with the deserters and them on the boat. But there is one thing at the end. I don't remember if this actually happened in the episode, uh, but when the actual little boy, you know, uh, takes the rudder or the tiller and moves the boat away, I think his name is Sloat, uh, he actually puts the hat on the little kid. Does that actually happen in the episode? No, it does not. I find that very, very interesting. Yeah, you know, he says he puts the hat on, but that doesn't happen in the episode. Yeah, I really like that they kind of had that uh, great idea of putting the hat on him. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and we transition to the next scene, which uh, is kind of the same idea of, uh, you know, Sergeant Bartlemy giving this lesson to the little boy. Um, and we also see uh, the German hospital, and that is sort of described in detail, you know, why Major Boucher doesn't want to go there, and same with Sergeant Bartlemy, so that's basically the same. Uh, and getting into the last scene here, or the last chapter, uh, we have them arriving uh, at Port Gentil, and 
There's, of course, the same conversation with Major Boucher uh, that has exactly the same dialogue, again, kind of giving us that really kind of cliffhanger ending there uh, as Major Boucher never really kind of comes around and says anything, you know, his last words to Indy are pretty actually kind of mean in the end. So uh, then they, of course, go and uh, check to see if the boy is healthy. And there's the whole Bartlemy scene, which is also described here uh, in pretty good detail. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I love that Bartleby scene. Again, very emotional. Now, something I did want to mention is that in the beginning of this chapter uh, and in the same scene in the episode, uh, the guy who dies, he's like, give this letter to my wife, right? It's the last letter that his wife will ever receive. And, you know, Indy mentions here that he'll... Uh, He'll mail the letter. Yeah, really cool that that was mentioned too. Um, and we see him mail both of those letters actually in the kind of transition portion between these two episodes uh, that combine to form Oganga. So also cool that that was mentioned. Um, and of course, uh, he still gets named Bartlemy, the little boy, which I thought was really, really great. And finally at the end, this really, really uh, kind of cool part that they explain uh, where Indy's like, I wonder if I'll ever hear about this boy. And supposedly... Uh, this boy actually becomes like the first president of the Congo. Uh, and there's this kind of whole description of who he actually turns out to be. I did not know that, and I thought that was really cool. That is very cool. Yeah, I, I, I heard that, and I'm like, well, that's really, you know, kind of sweet and cool, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm not actually sure if that was something that was intentional in the episode. I never picked up on that or really kind of knew. Uh, I didn't know much about the name Bartleby, so I guess if you were familiar with that in this time period, maybe you knew that. Um, but yeah, really cool that the boy actually does go on to become the first president and uh, kind of going back to the lessons that, you know, Sergeant Bartleby told him. So really, really cool. And I also love the last line uh, as Indy talks about kind of, you know, uh, now he's going to go up the river again. Uh, without Major Boucher and try to get the shipment of weapons. And he says, but that is another story, alluding to the next half of this, which is Congo 1917. Really cool ending there. Gets you on the edge of your seat, ready to go to the next indie adventure as always. So uh, I like that as well. Now, I have a question for you. Since, you know, we've ended this book and this is only the first part, is there another book that's for Congo? Um, I do not think they created a book for Congo 1917. They only did, I think, like eight book adaptations on just a few of the episodes. Um, some of them, I think, uh, didn't never even made it or they just didn't want to do or they didn't sell well or something. Uh, it kind of, I think, would have been cool to see it because it was a two-part story originally uh, before they, you know, combined the episodes and it was Oganga. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that they did focused on German East Africa and really focused on kind of expanding that story. And um, I think it adds a lot of really cool, interesting background and really cool stuff. So kind of moving into that overall final thoughts on this book adaptation and also your thoughts on the comparisons to not only the Young Indie episode, but also the other book adaptation that we did for Trenches of Hell, Prisoner of War. Well, I think the the style that the adaptation was in is relatively the same to Prisoner of War, right? You know, I don't think that's generally changed very much, and I think that's a good thing. I like the style of these books, really. Now, as comparison to the actual episode, I think it's a very good adaptation. I actually seem to like it a bit more because it's more detailed, and I would definitely, you know, read... If they did this for, you know, all the episodes, I'd definitely read all the books, personally. Yeah, I agree with you. I was, um, you know, one thing I think, I don't know if we mentioned this, but uh, these books are like basically relatively new to Max and I. Like we didn't really know that these even existed. And so I was, we were able to get a copy of two of them and we decided, you know, what, why don't we try these on the podcast? And 
take a look at these interesting adaptations. And I will say I was really actually surprised and uh, was kind of interested in these. Um, they are kind of advertised as young adult books, which we both agreed in the last episode that they really aren't. I mean, these are 100 pages with pretty large text that you can kind of scroll through. But uh, we thought for the sake of just kind of like really diving into this and looking at is this actually just like Oganga? Um, I think it's really cool to see. And again, it really kind of gives you, it really is kind of an archaeological find, as you could say. And again, really kind of cool to think about, are some of these ideas that the author added just deleted scenes or sort of, you know, something from that was in the original script? Really cool to think about. But I would agree with you and say um, that these books, I think, do a really great job of expanding upon the young indie episodes. Of course, nowhere near the same experience as actually watching the show. But yeah, I think it was a great experience to look at this episode in a different way. So um, I think that about concludes today's episode. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing to our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, and so many other podcast platforms. Um, and consider writing a review if you enjoyed your experience here. Uh, if you want to learn more about the podcast, you can visit our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com. There's lots of great information for you there, as well as a great links page to expanded content in the Indiana Jones universe. And finally, uh, if you want to stay up to date on announcements and be part of the indie community here, make sure to like us and follow us over on our Facebook page. You can find us there at the Indiana Jones Universe podcast. I will post up there pretty regularly. So uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.